0: Locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Red Sox. We thank you for spending your Tuesday morning with us or whenever you're listening to this. My name is Lauren Campbell. I cover everything Boston sports for Nessen.com, alongside, as always, by my co-host Boston Herald, Red Sox columnist Jason Mastronato. We have a lot to talk about today. It was quite a Red Sox game. And we will get to all of that and so much more in today's show. But first, the MLB trade deadline is fast approaching and the Locked On MLB YouTube channel will be streaming the hot stove live two hours of MLB trade analysis from our Locked On lineup of local experts. Subscribe to Locked On MLB on YouTube and tune in July 30th beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Jason, I was convinced we were going to be talking about a loss this morning.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's happening often. Isn't it? Um, lately, like all the games are kind of blending in because it's like they're down in the eighth and then they come back and win or they're holding on. They blow it and then they win in extras. It's like the last week and a half. It feels like we're watching a lot of the same game.
0: It's it's so true. And especially with Sunday and Monday, because you had Alex Verdugo break up the no hitter in the eighth inning on Sunday. And then on Monday, you had Alex Verdugo again hit the go ahead home run, which proved to be the game winner. Five four over the Blue Jays at Fenway uh, I mean Alex Verdugo is just he really needed that home run that was home run number 10 he said after the game that he felt like he's been waiting to hit number 10 for a month and I mean what a way to hit number 10 because they they needed this win tonight I know that Sunday's win probably felt good but this game was very winnable and it got away from them not got away from them but it was one bad pitch to Bo Bichette but Alex Verdugo once again coming in clutch
1: yeah you know it, he, he are right did need this and we were talking about a week and a half ago how it was crazy he was still hitting second and they move him down in the order and he starts playing a little bit better maybe you know maybe that pressure came off of him a little bit and he started drawing some walks and now he's starting to hit the baseball a little bit and Alex Gore was very impressed that he actually hit the ball in the air which hasn't happened a whole lot with him lately um you watch him and to me, he still doesn't look quite right. He still doesn't look like the guy he was last year. Last year, I think he played—he he, he was such an energy player, right? Like, he didn't have to hit home runs to have good games. He would do something in right field that would be spectacular. He'd run the bases aggressively. Uh, he'd turn a single into a double. It was that kind of thing that made him really good last year. And, you know, with the hamstring injury and just a whole different season that he's having this year— it's different, So I think he has to hit for power because he's not necessarily doing those other things. I, I can't remember him making this spectacular play in left field uh, anytime recently. I think he's been more of the guy that, hey, get on base and hit for some power. Um, maybe the guy that Andrew Benintendi tried to be uh, the years that he was not successful here. Uh, and, you know, these two in the end might end up being pretty similar players, Verdugo and Benintendi. But right now I think it's good that Verdugo got this home run out. Maybe he can start playing a little bit more of the power game
0: yeah definitely and I know that he said after the game too that his ultimate goal is to get back to that number two spot but if it's working where he is now I would just you know leave the lineup as is because whatever is going on right now is just working for the Red Sox
1: yeah you know he said he took it personally that he got moved down in the order and uh it made him upset and if you look back at what happened last year You know, first game of the season, first game of Alex Verdugo's Red Sox career, he was not in the starting lineup. He was on the bench because they were facing a left-handed pitcher, and Ron Renneke looked at the numbers and said, okay, this guy's a platoon player. He plays against right-handers. And the guy they traded for Mookie Betts started his career with the Red Sox on the bench. And he took it personally then, too, he said. He thought that he deserved to play against left-handers, and he was upset about that. And he ended up having a great season against left-handers last year not the case this year. He's been getting benched against lefties recently. He's getting moved down in the order. So he says it woke him up a little bit. Maybe that's exactly what needed to happen.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And somebody else who needs to wake up right now is Nick Pavetta. He had, yet again, a a struggling start, I'll call it. He went four and two-thirds innings, gave up four earned runs. And he I felt like he didn't look terrible, but something just isn't working for him. And over especially over his last 3 starts, he's 1 and 1, his EO, ERA is 7.05. That's way too high to be a starting pitcher, and it's I don't know if it's concerning or if it's just more frustrating because he was so strong out of the gate and now he just kind of is struggling to find his rhythm. I don't know if it's the whole sticky stuff situation. I don't know if he's just uncomfortable pitching uh, period. So I just, I don't know what it is, but I'm starting to get really frustrated with Pavetta and I, I don't know what's next because he's looking forward to his next start, but I don't know if I am.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think Red Sox fans are, are enjoying watching Nick Pavetta right now. He's just not the same as he was in those first eight starts where he was just kind of, you know, I think Eck called him a bulldog and that's kind of what he was, right? I mean, he wasn't dominant. He gave up a couple runs every night, but he just hung in there and gave, he went five or six innings, a couple runs, they win the game. He started the year six and 0. They just won when he pitched. Um, They only lost one of his first 10 games because he was just keeping them in the game. And I think he fed off that. The Red Sox fed off that. And I don't know what happened around mid-May, end of May. He kind of turned into this guy who just started going for strikeouts. And his strikeout rate went way up, and it's been up, really, for the last 12 starts. His strikeout rate has gone up about 30% over what it was the first eight starts. And the home run rate has gone up 400%. He gave up... Three home runs in his first eight games and he's given up 12 home runs in his last 12 games someone will check my math on that that might be wrong um but he's given up a whole lot of home runs and he's striking out a whole lot more people and the results are not there they're losing when he pitches i mean this was uh he didn't get the win tonight but he's otherwise been two and four over his last 10 games um so it's a different pitcher out there and you wonder if he's tired you know alex Cora said he didn't have a lot of energy on the mound and Pavetta said the same thing, his velocity was down from, usually sits about 95, he was at 94 at night, not down a lot, but down a little bit, and uh, yeah, he just doesn't look like the same guy, so the roster crunch is coming, you know, when Chris Sal comes back, if they make some additions at the trade deadline, there's going to be some changes, and Nick is not putting himself in a great position right now.
0: He's not, and I know they have this six-man rotation going and everything, but it's looking like could he be the odd man out now if they want to go to the five man rotation when Chris Sale comes back? Is he going to be the odd man out in general just because he's almost a liability now when he goes out there to pitch?
1: Yeah, and I like how it seems like every night we're asking who's going to get kicked out of the out of the rotation. It makes it kind of interesting, right? That there's not one obvious guy, and I think that kind of explains to you how this Red Sox team has been all year. I mean, Valdi's obviously been spectacular. Otherwise, it's like, you know, the starting pitching, nobody's really stood out. They've just been fine. They've been good enough. They go five innings. They give up a few runs. The Red Sox win anyways. We move on to the next day. Um, so, you know, it could be Pavetta. It could be Richards. It could be Perez. We really don't know. And at the, it probably doesn't even matter because they're kind of all the same guy right now. They're all just blending in a little bit. Nobody's, nobody's stood out one or the other it's just like you know we talk about perez you get another lefty in the bullpen if you want that i think richards probably has the more the highest upside of anyone if you're going to put him in the bullpen kind of like a joe kelly he's a little crazy but he throws hard and has nasty stuff uh maybe he's the guy I, I, i don't know anymore but there's a lot of candidates
0: there is and i think that's in a way a good problem to have because i do feel whether it's pavetta perez or richards that they'd be fine out of the bullpen they'd be a fine option but I think Pavetta was so low on my list because he had been so dominant for most of this year, where now it's like, ah, oh, I, I don't want him to be in the bullpen because I want him to be the starter that he was at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what Phillies fans kind of expected when they traded Nick Pavetta. You know, five and a half ERA over four seasons with the Phillies. He only made 30 starts once. Um, you know, maybe he's getting tired. He hasn't thrown more than 100 innings since 2018. Uh, Maybe he's getting tired out there, and and that's why they went to the six-man rotation anyway, to give guys a little bit extra rest in the second half of the season. Um, Certainly looked like he was tired on Monday.
0: Yes, he did. And coming up, we will talk more about Chris Sale and his potential return to the Red Sox rotation, as well as a little bit of trade deadline talk, since the trade deadline is just a few days away but first this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find out the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Welcome back. So to the surprise of absolutely no one, Chris Sale feels great after his rehab start in Portland. Um, Another dominant showing, we talked about it on Monday's show, but Cora said Monday before the game against the Blue Jays that Sale would make at least two more rehab starts. And as soon as he said that, Twitter went ablaze, we're like, Oh, August tenth. That means August tenth he's coming back. He's gonna that's when he's gonna be with the rotation. And it's it's a great feeling to know it's close, but I don't know if everyone should get their hopes up on August tenth because you know, he could he might not feel good after one of these starts. He might feel a little fatigue, a little tightness, a little soreness. Anything could go wrong, and maybe I'm just being very overly cautious with this whole Chris Sale thing, but I obviously hope that it's august 10th that he comes back but at the same time i just want him to rehab properly and just feel 110 percent.
1: yeah i'll give it to the red sox they are certainly taking their time with it where i mean you look at the standings it's like it's so close in the al east and it's the difference between you know being a uh a wild card team and winning the division and it's going to come down to one or two games we know that chris sale coming up after one start that could make a difference. A Chris Sale start over a Martine Perez start. Maybe that you know makes a difference in the standings. Uh, but they've kind of resisted the urge to rush it. I think they're just looking at it and saying whatever's best for Chris Sale. I thought there was a decent chance he would only need one start in Worcester. And he'd be ready to go. Um, maybe they didn't like what they saw the other night. and That it was so definitive now that he needs at least two more. Uh, we know he, he loaded the bases. He gave up a home run. Um, he, he had the one inning where he struggled a little bit. Maybe, maybe this is the first time he he's hitting a bump in the road since he started the minor league rehab uh, a couple weeks ago. So, you know, they're gonna take their time with him. It's obviously it's the right call. You're not gonna rush him back. You just you figured, hey, the division's so close, they might be tempted, but they're not gonna do that.
0: My thing too is even if he goes five innings on Saturday, that's only one outing that he did that. I definitely want to see him at least going two. Two outings, five strong innings. Doesn't have to be, you know, nine strikeouts again, but I'd like to see him be stretched out to five innings more than once before they call him up and then try to have him go five with the Red Sox.
1: Right, and I think they're definitely on the same page as you on that one.
0: I mean, I hope so, but only time will tell with that. Um, So Friday marks the MLB trade deadline. And as always, there's rumors flying around. Adam Frazier got traded. There's Anthony Rizzo, who can't stay out of trade rumors. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, Max Scherzer has been been named too. But I know that you talked about on Monday's show, but the Nationals, you told them not to be sellers. And it still sounds like they're going to be sellers. So they're not listening to you or they're not listening to the podcast. I'm not sure which, but it sounds like that they are going to trade Trey Turner, which is just a little bit stupid.
1: I, I don't understand how why Mike Rizzo is not listening to this podcast. I'm going to have to. Next time I see him, let him know he needs to listen to this podcast. Uh, And maybe then he would not trade Trey Turner, who's too good to be traded. It just always frustrates me. Like, I'm just frustrated on behalf of the local fans when superstars get traded at a decently young age. Like, Trey Turner's 28. He's in his prime. He is so good. He's leading the National League in total bases this year. He's hitting 320. He's got 18 homers, 21 steals. He plays shortstop really well. He is an elite player, and the Nationals are going to look around to trade him because they can't sign him long-term. Now, you know, whenever you see teams say they can't sign someone long-term, it's not that they can't. It's that they didn't offer enough money and are choosing not to for whatever reason. Um, If you're a Nationals fan, maybe you have more specific – Concerns about why they're not going to spend money on Trey Turner, but they've spent a lot of money in the past. You know, they got guys locked up. The Max Scherzer contract's a big reason why they would probably even have to consider this, where he still owed so much money in deferred payments that it's going to be tough for the Nationals maybe to trade Max, Max Scherzer. So, you know, I know this doesn't really relate to the Red Sox, but it kind of does, because if a player like Trey is available... You have to call. You have to check in. Yeah, you don't need a shortstop, but this guy also plays second base. He also played center field. He came up as a center fielder. Uh, he, could play all, he could play anywhere. He's proven that. He's just a really, really good baseball player. So you have to call them now and say, hey, well, all right, what's the asking price? Who are we going to have to give up? Uh, you got to make a just, just an obligatory phone call to make sure that Trey Turner is not attainable because that's the kind of guy. I mean, if you get Trey Turner. Whatever team gets Trey Turner is going to be way ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, too, what, you know, of course, the Red Sox should call. I think every team should call if you're if the Nationals are making Trey Turner available. But, I mean, Red Sox fans lost their minds over Marcelo Meyer getting drafted just because of his position. I don't even want to know what would happen if they traded for Trey Turner.
1: Well, again, you know, you're right. I'm sure that people might be like, oh, what are you going to do with him now? But, He's played other positions. It's not like he can't do it. He played center field. He he played second base in the big leagues, and he's proven. He's just like a fast player. When you watch him, he's like one of those Mookie Betts types. You just feel like you can put him anywhere because he's fast. He's smart. He's athletic. Uh, He's just a good player. You can put him anywhere. I don't think I don't think anybody would be too upset about getting another shortstop. I think it's just a matter of what's the asking price on this guy because he's so good. But. this is obviously not going to be the Red Sox priority. You know, I, I will be shocked if they don't add somebody who can play some first base before Friday. It's just a matter of who.
0: Yeah, and I I don't think Trey Turner can play first base, but I know that... He can play anyway, odds. Lauren. <laughs> like, okay, all right, then I'm, I'm all in on Trey Turner. <laughs> he can pitch. <laughs> he can... Oh, awesome, all right. Then he can just... He can be the next utility guy. Exactly. Excellent. You know, I think that it's, there's going to be a lot of interesting... Moves made at this deadline. I think a lot of teams are sellers, and just as many teams are going to be buyers. And there's too many big names out there right now that will not be passed over by any means. And I think Trey Turner is one of them. I think his time with the Nationals is numbered.
1: Yeah. And the the guys I'm keeping an eye on for the Red Sox are not the guys you think. I know Eric Hosmer's name popped up today in trade rumors. Eric Hosmer is a disaster waiting to happen. That money is insane how much the Padres owe him. Over the next five years, he's not performed well there. He's been pretty much an average hitter, which is what a lot of people thought. You know, Four years ago when he was a free agent, people said, bring Hosmer to Fenway. He's got a nice opposite field stroke. He could just Adrian Gonzalez the heck out of the green monster. Uh, it's not working in San Diego. Would he be better at Fenway? Yeah, I'm sure he would, but you were going to pay him that kind of money? No. You know, you're not going to look at Eric Hosmer. Joey Votto, same deal, would be a great pickup. Joey Votto's been a terrific player, even at 38 years old for the Cincinnati Reds. He's having another great year, proven guy, hasn't been in the playoffs really his entire career. I'm sure he'd be extremely focused and motivated to get an opportunity in the playoffs, finally at 38 years old uh, for the Red Sox, but he's owed $75 million over the next three years. And are the Red Sox going to commit $75 million? To a guy who's 38. Now, if Cincinnati Reds say, hey, we'll pay half the salary, does that make it more interesting? Yeah, but you're probably not going after a guy like that when you have Tristan Casas a year, year and a half away to play some first base. That's a tough sell for me as well. I still think Anthony Rizzo makes the most sense for this team. We've talked about it before. Left-handed hitting first baseman, playoff experience, contact rate is fantastic, checks all the boxes. Contracts expired after this year. He's a rental uh, he's perfect, depending on the price. I'm going to give you another guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Adam Frazier I thought would have been a lovely fit because he's got the highest contact rate in baseball. He makes contact like 90% of the time. And when we started the season, we looked back at Bobby Dahlbeck and we said, "All right, just hit some, hit 30, 35 homers. It's okay if you hit 240. If you strike out a lot at the bottom of the order, it's fine." Just hit some pop, hit some homers He hasn't done that And now you look at the way this team is shaped They've got the worst contact rate At first base Out of any team in baseball Their first baseman strike out 35% of the time It's insane One out of three times they're up They're striking out And so you're not even advancing runners. You're not even putting the ball in play. We don't need a guy who's going to hit 30, 35 home runs on this team anymore. That's not what they need. They've proven it. All you need is someone to make contact. Keep the line moving. Draw a walk once in a while. You know, Bobby Dalbeck doesn't draw any walks. Just get someone who can get on base, push the ball around a little bit. I don't think they need someone big. So I thought Adam Frazier would have been perfect, not a power hitter. He's a second baseman, but you can move move these guys around. I think he's played some first base before. The Padres are talking about playing him at first. That's why they're trying to move Hosmer because they already have Jake Cronworth at second. So a Frazier type, but Whit Merrifield is the guy. The Kansas City Royals utility man plays all over. Similar guy to Adam Frazier, but he hits right-handed. High contact guy. Would love to see Whit Merrifield come to the Red Sox. Just be a a jack-of-all-trades, start at first base on most nights, and be a useful player.
0: Do you give up a player like Phillips Valdez, who's pitched really well for the Red Sox, to get somebody like Merrifield or even Rizzo? Do you include him in a package?
1: I mean, I don't think Phillips Valdez is going to uh, bring much, but I, I like where your head's at. Where some of these some of these extra guys, if you're going to go out and get a pitcher that's better than them, you're you know you're not going to need Phillips Valdez anymore because we assume they're going to get at least one pitcher at the trade deadline. So, you know, then they have Chris Sale coming back. There's really two guys that are going to get bounced from this team. Sal Omura is coming back from injury soon. So, you know, I like where your head's at looking at trading someone like Valdez or, or someone on the fringe of the roster. We've talked about Michael Chavis a lot. Can they get anything from Michael Chavis? Um, those are the guys you look at and say, hey, can we package these guys? But uh, if you're going after someone like Whit Merrifield who's under team control, not making a lot of money, you're probably going to have to give up a better prospect. You're probably going to have to give up someone – you know, I hate to keep saying Jeter Downs' name. Maybe not Jeter Downs, but maybe someone 8th, ninth, 10th best prospect, one of those pitchers down there, Connor Seabold, uh, a couple other guys you can kind of pick and choose from, something like that.
0: You have said Jeter Downs is expendable.
1: I'm I'm over Jeter Downs. Uh, I guess, So you just want to ship him out of here. I, I mean, it's unfair, right? I've barely seen him play. It's just you look at the numbers, they haven't been good. You hear the reports, they haven't been good. You know, you look at the comments from the coaches, they haven't been particularly good. Prospects who have been traded that often before they reach the majors always always a question mark in my mind. So that's why I look at Jeter Downs as someone who is maybe a trade chip for this team because I think this team's worth investing in. And I think you need to get a big player. It doesn't just have to be, you know, I, I said at first base you can get someone who's just decent. Uh, but to me, Whit, Whit Merrifield would be if they got Whit Merrifield and that was their trade deadline and acquisition, that'd be a great move. I, I'm not sure that I'd have anything other than good things to say about the Red Sox trade deadline if they got someone of that caliber.
0: Well, we have, what, about 72 hours to go, so... Probably we'll be waiting a little bit longer. I'm sure that, I don't think the Red Sox will make any moves before Friday. I think they're going to bring it right to Friday, right to 3 p.m. So just going to make us wait it out, make you wait for, you know, Merrifield, Rizzo, who knows? Um, But it's certainly going to be fun. We still have coming up in our third segment, we have our unpopular opinions and as always our positive takeaways. But first I want to tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action right at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code Locked On when making your first deposit. Welcome back. We're going to jump right into our unpopular opinions, and Jason, I'm going to let you go first this time.
1: All right. Well, we were just talking about first baseman, and I, I, there's been a lot of talk about one first baseman in particular that I just don't agree with, which is Joey Gallo. The Texas Rangers, actually, he's an outfielder. Um, he used to play first base. He hasn't played first base in four years. And his name, for some reason, keeps getting connected to the Red Sox. Now, I get it. He's a left-handed hitter. He's a power hitter. He's an all-star. Uh, and he has played first base. So, in that sense, he fits the roster. But you start looking at the strikeout rates, the contact rates, among ma- like major leaguers with at least 250 at-bats, Joey Gallo ranks 193rd out of 195 players, right next to Bobby Dahlbeck. The two of them have struck out so much. Their contact rates are 62%, uh, pretty much as bad as it gets in baseball. So you're going from one guy who strikes out a lot with big power and Bobby Dahlbeck to another guy in Joey Gallo who strikes out a lot with big power. Now, I get it. Joey Gallo's proven. He's got 24 home runs this year. Dahlbeck has 10 or 11. So it's a big difference. I just I, I can't emphasize enough how much I don't think they need another one of those guys on this team. I think they just need a baseball player. They need someone who plays good defense, run the ba- runs the bases really well, makes contact, can lay a bunt down if he has to, can put a sack fly out there at the right time in the game, knows how to play the game. That's what I want from first base. I think that's what they're missing in this lineup at the bottom of the order. Christian Vasquez, you know, for all the talk about how he really hasn't hit well since the beginning of the year, he, he handles the bat well. He makes contact. And that's what they need, I think, from a, a first baseman. Someone who just handles the bat well. Uh, so Joey Gallo, to me, is not the answer.
0: I don't think he's the answer either. I think Fans are getting too caught up in the home runs and the pop that he brings, but you brought up really good points. And I was talking to a friend about this, where he's like, "You people make room on their rosters for people like Joey Gallo," and I was like, "No, no, they don't. He's not <laughs> needed. He like he doesn't fit anywhere in this Red Sox lineup. You don't make room for somebody you literally do not have room for." So very much with you on that. Um,
1: I make room for Trey Turner, just not Joey. Yeah. <laughs> just not Joey Gallo.
0: Priorities, right? Priorities. <laughs> Exactly. So mine, I don't even know where to go with this anymore because I've talked about Martin Perez going in the bullpen and I said earlier in the show, maybe Nick Pavetta will go in the bullpen. I don't know who belongs in the bullpen anymore. I was so sure that it was Martin Perez and now I don't know if I'm, I'm not questioning myself on that opinion. I just, I don't know if he's the answer anymore and I don't know if I need to see more of garrett richards on wednesday i don't know if i need to see more of martin perez another nick pavetta start i don't know so, i am baffled
1: so your your unpopular opinion is that you have no opinion
0: i it is and i don't like that <laughs> uh, No, because... i'm not letting
1: it happen on behalf of our listeners i am not accepting it you must have an opinion where nick
0: pavetta should not make his next scheduled start all right there you go there you go <laughs>
1: that
0: that will be my unpopular opinion so please roast me for it all you want i don't know i just put on the spot and exactly. uh that's what happens when you put me on the spot you, but you, hey
1: you had to pick and pavetta was fresh in your mind and he you was and listen and, hey that means that means you're back on the team martin perez train
0: it does unfortunately because i was i mean not unfortunately, i still want him on the team but you know it's I don't know where he belongs. I don't know. I mean, I think after, you know, 705 ERA in your last three starts, you need to figure something out. You can only say, I'm staying positive. I'm going to tweak this, tweak that, which is a great mindset to have. But also, like, this is where I kind of miss the Rick Porcello attitude, where it was like, I sucked. I don't know what to do. And I just got to do better next time. And that's essentially what Nick Pavetta is saying. Like, he goes, I'm going to tweak stuff and I'm looking forward to my next start. You've been tweaking stuff for a long time now. And stop it, because it's time for you to get over this hump and figure it out. Otherwise, I don't know where he belongs on this team come playoffs or even come in a couple weeks when Chris Sale comes back. So who knows? So, okay, so my unpopular opinion, on the spot, unpopular opinion, (laughs) is Nick Pavetta should not make his next start. But... I want to move on to positive things now because that's how we like to end the show here. So my positive takeaway is the Red Sox are 7-3 and three since the All-Star break. And coming out of the All-Star break is incredibly important. It's important to come out strong and win these games, especially against teams in the AL East. So very impressive to see. And again, they've come back. They've won games in crazy fashion in... Heart, heart heart racing fashion my adrenaline's always pumping and it's just really fun to see and I hope they go I hope they go eight and two over their next ten.
1: That's a good one all right I'm gonna go with Matt Barnes because after that all-star game appearance i was uh, I wasn't down on him but I just I lost some confidence and I know it was it was just an all-star game whatever it didn't really matter but he had been shaky just before the break. He had a couple blown saves there, and, and you just started to wonder, is Matt Barnes of old coming back with a guy who walks the leadoff man and you know isn't as aggressive and, and doesn't have the, the put-away stuff the way he has this year? And he's pretty much just shut it down since the All-Star break. I was really impressed the way he handled Monday night's game. You know you have George Springer waiting in the hole. He just goes right out and attacks the eight, nine hitters, which is what you have to do, especially as a closer. He didn't throw a single ball to Kevin Biggio or Reese McGuire. Just three strikes, two outs. Then you get George Springer, you deal with him, and it was just a tremendous at-bat I mean, it, from Matt Barnes. Just pumps, pumps in fastballs, one amazing knuckle curve that just barely fell underneath the strike zone but was called a strike. Uh, he hasn't allowed a run in all four games since the All-Star break, so Matt Barnes is looking pretty good.
0: That is a perfect way to end the show and get us going into this Tuesday. And make sure to turn, tune back in on Wednesday so we can recap the second game of the Red Sox Blue Jay series and anything that may come of that. Hopefully, there's more trade deadline rumors that we can discuss, maybe some more Trey Turner talk. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at La 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 Lauren, three laws, then Lauren with four Rs. And also, please follow the Locked On Red Sox Twitter account at L O underscore Red Sox.
1: You can follow me at jmastrodonato or read my work in the Boston Herald.
0: And please rate, review, and subscribe to Locked on Red Sox so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And also, it is NBA draft time. And NBA draft goat Chad Ford and Locked on NBA draft host Raphael Barlow and Locked on NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked on NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Bilt Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick, Follow locked on NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 pm. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.